Hi, this is Oscar. This is Sanjana. And this is Hayden. You are listening to Daily Discoveries. And we are part of the Daily at the University of Washington. And this is the podcast where we discuss new discoveries in Science Weekly. So this week we're talking about soft robots, which are just robots with soft bodies. So researchers from the Department of Chemical Engineering and Material Science at the University of Minnesota have discovered a method to make soft robots grow similarly to a plant. So it's easier for them to move through hard to access places. And they discussed their approach in their paper titled Synthetic Growth by Self-Lubricated Photopolymerization and Extrusion Inspired by Plants and Fungi. So in order to design these growing soft robots, they took inspiration from how plant roots and pollen tips grow. They noticed that the plant's tip growth is influenced by pressure, chemical gradients, its solid structure, along with stimuli from the environment like light. And they decided to mimic this for the soft robot by giving it a polymer body and filling it with a liquid monomer, which would allow them to have flow-based transport and fluid pressure And this growth would be mediated using photopolymerization, which is the equivalent to the light stimuli that plants use. So how it would work is that the liquid monomer would flow into the polymer tube and a light source, along with the pressure from incoming monomer liquid, would cure it, causing it to become solid. And they used a thiolene-based monomer, so it would cure faster, inhibit less oxygen, and not shrink as much. And it's also more available, so it's easier for them to get their hands on it. So one of the main obstacles they faced was that they needed to make sure that the tube kept growing and it wouldn't be hindered by friction or adhesive forces. So they added a fluorinate silene release agent to reduce adhesion but it wasn't enough. So they added a block copolymer and a lubricant in the monomer liquid, which would allow for the tube to be continuously lubricated, allowing for more growth of the tube. And they tested their system using an LED that emits UV light, and they set up multiple processes that had different amounts of lubricant in them. And they found that the one with no lubricant was not able to extrude due to adhesive forces, and the fluid pressure continued to rise until the device no longer worked. And when they added a higher concentration of lubricant, they found that there was not as much pressure for extrusion. And they decided that the block copolymer was required in order to make sure that the lubrication layer was formed at the right thickness in order to allow for extrusion. Yeah, they they point out early on that like the idea of pre-coating doesn't work because as the fluid flows through, it just pulls the coat off the tube. And so that's why you have to have the continuous layer. I was just thinking about biology 220 when we learned about when plants grow towards light. Yeah. And it's cool because like the whole thing they're taking from it is this, it's a tip-based growth. So instead of like growing from the base or anything, it all the growth occurs at the tip. So yep. at the, the head of the robot. Yep. I guess the next level is somehow get this tip of the robot to be able to sense environmental stimuli. Yeah, so they can I mean, go in a specific direction. Yeah, because they have some videos, and I think Sanjana will t- probably talk about this, where it can kind of do it. But if you think about the robot itself, it's basically a cylinder with a tube sticks in the middle, and then it's hollow on the inside a little bit. And that's where the LEDs are. So they're shining and they're providing the energy that then allows for the polymerization. Mm-hmm. So yeah, some sort of sensor that like turns off the LED in one direction that causes 
it basically just stopped growing so you can have sharp turns mm-hmm. um could be cool yeah i don't know if the, i don't know if you mentioned this under you probably did but i think it's uh, amazing how they found a pretty cheap monomer that as a monomer it is a liquid that is very i mean it's like viscous enough to be able to flirt this tube with relatively high pressure and then as it's polymerized it turns into a solid that they can grow into this or like propel this robot forward yeah so for the sensing thing that Hayden mentioned previously they were thinking of putting some kind of sensor in the tip that could find a way to interact with the environment so it could sense like pressure changes to figure out where to go mm-hmm. and to figure out how exactly that the, the robot would grow, they measured the fluid pressure while the robot was growing. And they found that it increased in pressure and then it began to decrease until it hit a steady state value. The pressure mm-hmm. increased proportionally to the monomer liquid flow rate. And when they looked at the growth vertically instead of horizontally, they found the same relationship between the pressure and the flow rate. However, there was a limit to how much the robot could grow due to the resistance from the weight of its head. And using some calculations and also factoring the specific material they used for the experiment, they found that they could have the robot grow a maximum of 3,800 meters. That, that's Absolutely like, ridiculous. That's, a, that's like more than two miles. Yep. That's <laughs> like, nuts. So like two so miles is that based on, the, like, based on the strength of the polymer? Yeah, then the resin they used. Yeah, that's nuts. I'm just trying to think of like what ways this would be applicable. Like, can you guys think of any like specific examples? Yeah, I was thinking you could totally do it. Um, I mean, someday, as I said, if if you guys get the chance, you should go and watch the video to the listeners and whatnot. It's a cool example of where we're starting from. I think it definitely has like as far as the idea of. There's a term, I can't think of it now, but where you basically thread a needle through someone's blood vessels and using this idea of the technology that just senses like where there's changes in direction and they can go around. I think you can do a much better job of like threading through blood vessels. So for surgery, maybe. And I know for neurosurgery, they use like those really long tubes to like poke around in the brain. Yeah. Have you ever seen so, that? yeah. So I think I guess so, maybe, and also what about like plumbing? If another one scale. like yeah if you need to reach something really far down you just plop the robot in the plumbing system and then it can go four kilometers and then <laughs> find something <laughs> that you need to clean or whatever i don't know yeah that, that that is like the industrious you know late night infomercial soft robot <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i mean I yeah totally... it does have tons of applications yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, I think that the macroscopic one right there is a really good example of like, that's, you know, probably the easiest one to do is just like, if you have a clog in your pipes, just use the soft yep. robot to get it out. Yeah, exactly. They're talking about in the future, maybe looking at constructing the robot using biodegradable materials or also having active steering that way. I mean, they could probably just put the robot there and then forget about it if it's biodegradable. Oh, true. Yeah, they could just leave it in the suit. There's no need to like try to pull it back in. Oh, that's another thing. Like, should they, in order to like save the robot before they figure out how to do it completely biodegradable, like, should they have some kind of reverse thing where they can yank it back in? Or do you just have to manually pull it out? Oh, so you mean like depolymerize it almost? (laughs) Yeah. And then you can just suck up the liquid like a vacuum. 
That would be interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know how you would. That should work, right? Technically. Well, you'd have to have some sort of high energy input to break whatever bonds you've created during the polymerization yeah. cycle. But if you do figure the depolymerization, then that should I technically mean, work, right? I feel like it could. I don't. I don't know why it wouldn't. You just have to have a way to like basically suck up the monomers, and that way the monomers aren't ending up in the environment. No, exactly. You just have like some kind of vacuum at your end because like you have the base, right? It starts at a base and then it mm -hmm. just goes from there because the monomers have to be supplied from somewhere. Yeah. I don't see why that couldn't work. <laughs> what I did wish they did talk about more was the polymerization chemistry. I don't know. Do you guys, do either of you know about this reaction? So from my understanding of like photopolymerization is it's just using UV light to then have polymerization reactions occur. Now, through creating radicals or yeah i think you basically shine light on it that it creates a radical and then you can just induce like radical polymerization so yeah what like the beautiful thing about radical chemistry is it's usually uh in in the case of polymerization like not not all radical chemistry but like radical polymerization is it's it kind of feeds forward onto itself so yeah you just need one technically <laughs> so yeah. For those people who don't know, when you have a radical, it's just a single electron and electrons like to be in pairs. But the issue is if that single electron makes a pair of electrons, like takes an electron from somewhere else, it creates a new single electron. So it's just like this never ending, you know, you have this single electron that continues to propagate forward. And it just like adds molecules together until, mm -hmm. yeah, you have a polymer. Until you have a polymer. And I think the thiolene is nice because sulfur, I believe, is readily oxidize so it'll lose an electron i think and also they mentioned that like they were talking when they mentioned the reaction they said that they used this specific chemistry because of its um the rapid curing kinetics which i assume it just means that like it forms polymers relatively fast which allows it to grow i mean like somewhat fast i don't know if you mentioned this but it grows like i don't know how far and how long but roughly 30 centimeters in like six minutes i don't know something like that yeah but also and then this this chemistry also like it has low oxygen inhibition which is good like if oxygen's in the environment then it's not going to affect the polymer even though isn't it encased in a tube i don't know maybe i don't know why that is important but also low shrinkage so like it kind of remains the same size which is obviously important if you're trying to propagate this motor robot forwards and very yeah. readily available as a commercial product. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's, that's a, a pretty common theme about the several of the papers we've read is just this idea that, you know, you can do this chemistry or you can do these, you can create these different products and whatnot, but a really important part is it being a red, like readily available. And so like, yeah, you could create a polymer with maybe some other highly expensive product, but that's not really applicable to or like that's not a good like material that you can then take to large-scale production that's been a cool part i thought about the last couple yeah. of papers we looked at is this idea that like how can we actually have science that we can then apply to everyday like to everyday situations yeah it's not just about solving the problem it's about solving the problem and then having it actually be like so you can mass produce it yeah yeah i, I don't think i mean there's not not a whole lot to this paper besides the fact that, I mean, they had to create the, I mean, they didn't create the lubricant, but they made the lubricating conditions. That was, that was almost they, like a main part of it. I feel like. Yeah. 
I would agree. I mean, it was a it was a hefty chunk of the paper for sure. The whole, I mean, the fact that they that, that was a huge issue before, right? Is that you would basically just end up with too much friction for, and it would just break. So you have to create some sort of lubricating this block polymer that prevents adhesion. Also, yeah. so this reaction is like it happens through UV light. How sensitive is it? Like if I mean, this tube is clear. If this thing is like on the open in sunlight or whatever. Oh, that's a. I mean, is that, it going to work properly? That's a good point. Is it going? Are we going to run into issues if it's out in the environment? Maybe. That's. I mean, it might that's a really also good have point. to do with how close the UV light is. Yeah. To be able to cure it. No, it, I definitely agree with that. But if it is like a uh, highly kinetic polymerization and as we were talking about like if one radical is created then it kind of propagates yeah no, more I think that's polymerization a, but i mean i'm, I'm is, sure that you need quite a strong light intensity yeah that's a great point i, I don't know if they did they mention the wavelength like because if it's uv then i'd assume that it's light that you I mean you could potentially get that wavelength outside so can you use this outdoors <laughs> maybe not <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Daily Discoveries.